Okay, so I think we have to really a little bit of um, finishing up. And I want to say a little bit more about non thinking or non versus beyond versus and, and I did I asked Zen teachers and, and started a whole big discussion, which I'm not going to bore you with. If you want to know, I'm happy to share it with you. But um, somebody said before, and uh, there were there were votes for beyond and there were votes for non and there was one vote for before mm. and uh, I found out why uh, why uh, Kaz Tanahashi changed from non to before because he did in this one that we just read this is from his book Moon in a Dewdrop and this has a non-thinking and non-merging but yet in his uh, translation of the whole Shobogenjo which is the the uh, text we've been using as our base text, he changes it to beyond. And now I know why. And it's because my friend, uh, Tygen Dan Layton, who is a, a master translator and a wonderful person and a great teacher and the abbot of the, oh God, what's it called? Anyway, it's, it's a Zen center in, in Chicago. Anyway, uh, Tygen, really uh, responded to the word beyond when he first heard it in this context. And it, it uh, affected him so deeply that he went off to, uh, he went off to Kyoto and studied in Japan for two years because of that. And he, so he really, beyond was really important to him. And he suggested to cause that cause change from non-thinking to beyond thinking. And that's how it happened. So it's just, it's just interesting to me to actually know. I, I did not share that with the other teachers. I mean, he, he wrote something uh, more personal to me about that. As we're friends, we, we worked on the guest program together at Green Gulch many years ago. Anyway, as Sojun used to say, Mel used to say, don't get caught by the words. It's your intuitive response. It's your understanding of it. What does it mean? And there is a great explanation, which I, you keep, keep, you keep Paula handy, if you would, and I'm going to try. Gaku. Um, Yes, okay. So there's a man named Daigaku Rume, who is an American who studied in Japan with Harada, one of the Harada Roshis for many years, 20 some years. And he translates that second phrase, the non-thinking, he translates it according to the way that Harada thinks it as, let thinking alone or let thought be. He quotes, he says, uh, this is Sarada's teaching on this. One day, Yaksan was sitting in Sazen, and when he arose, a monk asked him, You are sitting in a very stationary position, just like a mountain. What do you think about when you are sitting like that? Yaksan said, I'm thinking of not thinking. The monk then asked, How does one think of not thinking? Yaksan said, By living thinking as it is. 
In Foucault's Zazengi, the dialogue is simplified. Not thinking means that the self has disappeared. Thinking as it is, is a condition where there is activity but no self. What kind of function or activity is this? We can hear many sounds with no self at all. Now we hear many sounds of the carpenters working outside. We can easily distinguish between human voices and other sounds, such as the sounds of tools. This happens easily without any self-interference. We can clearly recognize these sounds, voices, hammers, wood. There is no need for the self to intervene. No matter how complicated the sounds are, there is absolutely no need to think. That sound is a voice. That sound is a tool. It is the same with eyes and the nose. It is the functioning of the six senses as they are. Because there is no self, they function naturally. This is relatively easy to accept for the outer sense impressions, but regarding the mind or consciousness, this is more difficult. If we feel confused quickly, we think this isn't good. If we feel anxious, we begin to seek peace of mind. If it is noisy, we want it to be quiet. If we simply leave the mind function as it is, then we would be peaceful even if we felt anxious. Confusion as it is would be satori. But inevitably the self enters in. Oh, I'm deluded and confused, so I must seek story. I'm anxious, so I must find peace of mind. Here, the viewpoint of the ego self intervenes, and that is separate from the function of thought. This is truly something subtle. So I thought that was, that was a really good analysis. And you know, it reminded me of Zach saying, you know, I, I hear the birds, but I don't listen to them. Okay. Now, back to Paula. Let's see. Aha! I find this easier to read with a white background. So there are two things she asked that we didn't talk about this last week. In Beyond Thinking, there is somebody that sustains you. And the rest of this paragraph, the section, confuses me. What is the somebody that sustains you? Then the questions. How can steadfast sitting think steadfast sitting? Thus, steadfast, sitting steadfastly is not Buddha thought, etc. Is this a statement about emptiness? If you think these things, are you not practicing the way? I'm very unclear about this. Somebody that sustains you. I remember Jerry Oliva used to say that, or she asked, if uh, she's a priest we know, if people don't know her, she asked the, the group she was teaching if people feel like I've ever felt held during Zazen. And I wasn't sure what that meant at the time, the way she was, and I hadn't felt that at the time. But the way I relate to today, the way I relate to beyond thinking, there is somebody who, there is somebody that sustains you. It's, by the way, it's at the top of the second page on the left. Yeah, so the somebody that sustains you, to me what that feels like it's pointing at, at least this is how I, I experience somebody sustaining me, is that I'm not so different from the universe. It's not like there's my more rational mind might say there's me and there's the impersonal universe. And these are two different things. 
sometimes in zazen i can feel that i'm such a part of the universe that i'm sustaining the entire environment around me and it's being sustained by me anybody else i want to say yes and to what steve said i just i think every time i say i think i mean <laughs> Just like well, what Harada was saying, you know, there there is there is somebody there. You know, something is is uh, functioning. You're not dead. Your ears are still hearing. Your eyes are still seeing. You know, if only the wall. If a skunk let loose, which can't happen around here, <laughs> your nose would notice. You would notice. How you respond to it is something else, but but there is there is just some something is is uh, sitting up straight, something is adjusting your posture every so often, something is noticing when your chin is sticking out or if your head falls forward. Yeah, Kate. I heard Ruth Ozeki once talking about the senses, including includes the mind as a sense so that helps my understanding i'm not sure how other than mind is what notices i mean i don't think the senses are separate you know completely there's smelling and there's hearing and there's taste and, and i mean people have their legs amputated and they still feel their toes so it's all a part of being a human being. I mean, we are human beings on the earth who have these senses. So the main point of this for me is just not to be so attached to my thoughts. I mean, we are conditioned. I was conditioned from where, when I was very small to that's what runs the show, right? And, and um, I was wondering if, is it Tygen Layton? Did he say why he asked Kaz to? He loves the word. He thinks that beyond gets at it better than none. Okay. Okay. Kind of like in this, what we chant, gate, gate, paragate. Gone, 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 beyond. That always, it's, it's I, that. I guess, I, I, uh, I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a fan. And I mean, Lisa, feel, you can, whatever works for you. I'm not arguing about it exactly, but, but beyond to me is comparative. And sounds like you're, you're trying to get away from something, trying to get away from anything. But, yeah, personally. Think not thinking does it for me. So, I mean, that's. It's but, not, not think not thinking. How do you think not thinking? Non thinking. And, uh, you know, you can say beyond thinking, and there are some people that like before thinking. And, uh, you know, my concern is that that you sit sazen and experience it, whatever you call it. And sometimes it's happening and sometimes it's not. And, uh, the other stuff that bothered her, troubled her about this, uh, 
even if it is you who are sitting steadfastly, you know, there's somebody that sustains you. So you are sitting steadfastly. You not only are thinking, but are upholding steadfast thinking. When sitting steadfastly, how can sit steadfast thinking think steadfast sitting? Thus, sitting steadfastly is not Buddha thought, Dharma thought, enlightenment thought, or realization thought. I'm not entirely sure what the way this is expressed, but I, to me, the distinction that he often makes, I think, is if you're sitting, just sit and let it happen. And like Harada said, if you're anxious, just be anxious. Don't try to get away from it. Don't try to grasp. Just, okay, I'm an anxious, I'm an anxious Buddha. But Buddha thought, thinking about Buddha, trying for Buddha, insisting that Buddha is non versus beyond, whatever, that's not it. I think that's what he means. But it's not entirely clear to me. With all, with all the negatives and stuff, it's not always so clear. So the word steadfastly kind of implies sort of an attitude, a kind of a trying or something like that? I, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not... I'm not sure. That's the thing. I because sometimes he seems to approve of it. Um, and then other times it doesn't. Uh, this is the thorough study of steadfast sitting transmitted in the Buddha way. And uh, he seems to put it with think not thinking is the skin, flesh, marrow and bones of thinking and, and marrow of not thinking. Um, so maybe he's saying, you know, it's both because you're sitting steadfastly, you're upholding steadfast sitting. You not only are thinking, but, but you are upholding steadfast sitting. You can, how can steadfast sitting think steadfast sitting? Thus, sitting steadfastly is not Buddha thought, Dharma thought, enlightenment thought, or realization thought. They're not, it's not about thinking. Maybe it's all it's about saying. That's the best I can do. Okay, in the last paragraph of this section, I guess, the bottom of page two. Right now you have the ability to enter the realm of Buddha and enter the realms of demons throughout the ages. Going forward and going backward, you personally have the freedom of overflowing ditches, overflowing valleys. You can sit in uh, Shikantaza and uh, I guess manifest Buddha sitting. Or you can enter the hell realm if you want. You're free. So you have that, you have that power to uh, torture yourself. So you can, the, the realm, it's like the realm of Buddha is right here. How do you, how do you manifest it? I think that's a good word. Anybody have anything to add or questions or anything? Well, the ditches and valleys are um, a, probably a more sort of shallow, if there's such a thing, shallow zazen and overflowing valleys is deeper. Right? Maybe, maybe. Okay. So.
I hope you read the next section. I, I, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope that it drove you nuts. <laughs> so there's a few things I want to say as a background. One is that he, in classic Dogen way, I, I can't help but say this. Somebody, when we were talking about we were talking about non versus beyond, uh, somebody uh, wrote that they looked at it, and and obviously non thinking is nonsensical. <laughs> and thought, a lot of Dogen is nonsensical. So <laughs> what does that have to do with it? And I still think that uh, he, you know, it is really nonsensical, but it's it's. Uh, it's expressed in a way to uh, to challenge us, and he often turns things around, often. And here, this story, it's not in the koan collections, it's in the Transmission of the Lamp series. But anyway, it's usually told that, that Mazu was, was brand new and, uh, Nanyue went to him, saw him sitting and, and, and said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm uh, aiming to become a Buddha. And Nanyue said, you can't, um, I guess Nanyue just, that's when he picked up the tile. And, and then uh, Masu said, you know, what are you doing? He said, I'm polishing a tile to make a mirror. And Masu said, hey, that, you can't polish a tile to make a, make a mirror. And Nanyue said, and you can't make a Buddha by sitting. And it's about, you can't make a Buddha. You, know, you can express a Buddha. You can manifest a Buddha. You can Buddha. And of course, now Dogen, switches it around and says that uh, Masu already had transmission from Nanyue and, and that this was a very deep discussion and it wasn't like a master sort of scolding or, or, or uh, training a new monk. And so much here is, you know, he's, he's, he's double negatives and you're not even sure some of the time what he's talking about. And he's talking on different levels. So a tile, which were just at that time, back that time, you know, they were often those temples would, you know, burn down and then they would get and still have they get they get rebuilt looking exactly the same. So if you go to Aheji, you're not seeing the Aheji from uh, the mid 1200s. It's burned down since then, at least once, I'm sure. Anyway, the roof tiles, oh, and they also would have, you know, they have earthquakes in Japan. So there would be like roof tiles scattered around. It just as, you know, sort of junk and they were made of mud. And one of the things that, that this is meant though, is that the roof tile is like us, we're made of mud. It's, it's just common material like us common people. So there's Buddha and there's common people. 
there's Zazen Deep Samadhi and ordinary daily life. So that's one thing to understand. Another is there's a concept of the bright mirror. I don't know if it's uh, useful to how much explain. If you, uh, I, I'm going kind of fast and I want to put the, some context and then we can read it. And I commend you to, uh, to uh, the uh, Shohaku Okamura series that I sent you because it's all about this section and at least six of the seven lectures are. At any rate, the mirror, there's this concept of a, a pivot, that there's, that there's this bright mirror and you look at a mirror and it reflects your face, but this mirror reflects everything. This is the mirror of emptiness, the mirror of equality. And there's a pivot that happens. And I was thinking about this yesterday, that, that in some sense, the mirror changes. You know, it's not like it's one side and one, the other side so much as that if you, you look at it with your ordinary mind, it's just your face. But if you look at it, if you see it with the mind of Buddha sitting, I'll say, it's everybody, it's everything is reflected in this mirror. The, the mirror reflects what it sees. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't make you look different. You know, you see, you see your wrinkles and you see your moles. And so a mirror is a bright reflection. And when you start talking about mirrors, you have to think of the sixth ancestor, Hui Nung, of the Platform Sutra fame. As he was recognized when he wrote about the mirror. And the, the, the uh, fifth ancestor had asked for, a, for people to show their understanding. And he said, whoever really impresses me, I will give them the robe and the bowl, which was supposedly transmitted down from uh, Bodhidharma. And the head monk agonized all night, knowing that he only had a partial understanding. And he finally went and wrote something on this wall where the, the, the fifth ancestors had write it on the wall, I guess. Anyway, he wrote it on the wall and it said, uh, it talked about how we have to keep polishing the mirror so that no dust gets on it. And the fifth ancestor praised it and didn't really respond beyond that. He said, everybody should study this. So everybody's going around reciting the poem. And Hoi Nung heard it because he was illiterate. Anyway, he heard it in the kitchen and he asked somebody to take him and show it to him. And uh, the guy did and Hoi Nung said, that's not quite it. And then he wrote, his own poem and, or, and composed it and had somebody write it on the wall. And he said, there isn't any mirror. So where could the dust alight? 
it's empty. He didn't say it's empty. I mean, he had, the poem was a little longer than that, but basically that's, that was his point. And the fifth ancestor did in fact recognize him and gave him the robe and the bowl. So when you start talking about mirrors, when Dogen starts talking about mirrors, then that's implicitly there. These things are there. And the final thing that's throughout this, it's very useful to have some familiarity with the Diamond Sutra, because this is a lot of this is Diamond Sutra language. And the Diamond Sutra is one of the Prajnaparamita uh, perfection of Wisdom Sutras, as is the Heart Sutra. And the Diamond Sutra is just, they're all about emptiness. They're all, you know, the Heart Sutra says, you know, no eyes, no ears, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no sight, no sound, no smell, no taste, I'll stop. Anyway, no, 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 right? And the Diamond Sutra is like that. It's full of um, negations. And it's a, it's, a, it's a dialogue between Shariputra and uh, the Buddha, or is it Shabudi? I can forget. Anyway, and the Buddha keeps saying, what do you think? I think it's Shabudi. Uh, what do you think, Shabudi? Uh, have I ever taught about beings? No, Lord, you have not talked about beings. You have taught no beings. Uh, and the Buddha said, yes, as no beings have I taught beings. Therefore, there are beings. That kind of gets close enough. Anyway, and it goes on and on like that. And that's one of the things that's operating here. To remember, to help us remember that it is formless. It is empty of own beings. Everything, us, and the tables and the chairs and the books, everything. And yet, here we are. But we need to remember, as no being, are we here? Or are we not here? I can do it. Um, the Diamond Sutra is full of that, and I think it's also, if you, if you teach it and illuminate it, it's one of those ones you get infinite naivetes of merit. I'm not sure. Anyway, that, that negation is, is sprinkled throughout here. And um, the last thing is, there's a distinction between a carved dragon and a real dragon. And uh, two things that, that there's a famous story about this guy who loved dragons and he collected them and he had all kinds of dragons, sculptures and statues around his house and lots of you know little miniature dragons and so on. And a real dragon heard about this. Dragons represent enlightenment. And a real dragon heard about it and thought he'd pay the guy a visit because he thought the guy might like to meet a, a real dragon. So he goes to the guy's house and um, he sticks his head in the window and the guy freaks out and runs away. Don't be suspicious of the true dragon.
but and remember there's we are so there's also in this passage a, a carved dragon so in some sense it's also again we're the carved dragon here in this relative reality world and there is the dragon of enlightenment and don't be scared don't be scared it can be when you have a taste of no thing it can be joyous but it also can be scary so that's okay just be scared he says glibly ha huh. okay so let us read it we maybe you know we maybe need to spend two times on this because the, the it gets kind of easier to understand at the end so but let's uh read it if the paragraphs are really short, take two, and if they're if they're longer, take take just one. Okay. So, uh, Lisa, you want to start? Mazu Zen Master Daiji of Jiangxi studied with Nanyue Zen Master Dahui. After immediately receiving Nanyue's mind seal, Mazu was continuously engaged in Zazen. One day Nanyue went up to him and said, Virtuous one, what's your intention in doing Zazen? Virtuous one, what's your intention in doing Zazen? Quietly ponder this question. Was Nanyue asking if Mazu had the intention of going beyond Zazen? If he had an intention outside of Zazen? or if he had no intention at all? Was Nanyue asking what kind of intention emerges while doing Zazen? Investigate this thoroughly. Love a true dragon instead of loving a carved one. However, know that both carved and true dragons have the ability to produce clouds and rain. Do not treasure or belittle what is far away, but be intimate with it. Do not treasure or belittle what is near, but be intimate with it. Do not make light or a big deal of what you see with your eyes. Do not make light or a big deal of what you hear with your ears. Rather, illuminate your eyes and ears. Lane? Mazu said, my intention is to become a Buddha. Clarify these words. What is the meaning of become a Buddha? Does become a Buddha mean being made Buddha by another Buddha? Or Buddha making oneself Buddha? Is this the emergence of one or two Buddhas? Is the intention to become Buddha dropping off? Or is dropping off the intention to become a Buddha? Does this mean that however many ways there are to become Buddha, to be immersed in this intention, to become a Buddha is the intention to become Buddha? Know that Mazu meant that Zazen is inevitably the intention to become Buddha, and that Zazen is inevitably becoming Buddha with intention. Intention is prior to becoming a Buddha and after becoming a Buddha. Prior to becoming a Buddha and after becoming a Buddha. Intention is the very moment of becoming Buddha. I ask you, how much of becoming Buddha is being immersed in intention. This immersion is immersed in immersion. Immersion is always a direct expression of totally becoming Buddha. Every bit 
of completely intending to become Buddha. Do not avoid even a bit of intention. If you avoid it, you lose your body and miss your life. When you lose your body and miss your life, this too is immersion in intention. Nanyoi picked up a tile and started to polish it on a rock. Zap. Masu said, what are you doing? Indeed, who does not see this as polishing a tile? Who can see this as polishing a tile? So Mazu asked, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's no other than polishing a tile, whether in this world or another world. Polishing a tile has never ceased. Do not regard your view as the only view. In any activity, there is always this question. Those who see Buddha without knowing and understanding Buddha see water without understanding water, see mountains without knowing mountains, to hastily conclude that what's happening in front of you is a dead end, is not a study of Buddha. Nanyue said, I am polishing this tile to make a mirror. Clarify these words, polishing a tile to make a mirror has a deep meaning. It is not a false statement, but actualizes the fundamental point. Although a tile is a tile and a mirror is a mirror, there are many ways to investigate the meaning of polishing. An ancient bright mirror comes from polishing a tile. Without knowing that all mirrors come from polishing tiles, you will not see or hear the words, mouth or breath of Buddha's Buddha ancestors. Dana? Mazu said, how can you make a mirror by polishing a tile? Indeed, by polishing a tile and doing nothing else, an iron-willed practitioner does not make a mirror. Even if making a mirror is not polishing a tile, a mirror is immediately there. Nanyu said, how can you become a Buddha by doing zazen? Be clear that zazen is not working towards becoming a Buddha. The teaching that becoming a Buddha has nothing to do with Zazen is evident. Ma Zhu said, then how so? These words may seem to be asking one thing, but in fact are asking another. It is like close friends meeting. Each is intimate with the other. How so? Addresses both Zazen and becoming a Buddha at the same time. Nan Yu said, when driving a, car, a cart, if it stops moving, do you whip the cart or the ox? In regard to driving a cart, what is moving and what is stopping? Does it mean that water flowing is the cart moving or water not flowing is the cart moving? You can also say that flowing is water not moving. There is a time when water's moving is not flowing. Thus, when you investigate the cart not moving, there is stopping and not stopping. It depends on the time. The word stopping does not mean merely not moving. It's a, it's a term of art here, I think. He said that not stopping, it depends on time, not the time. Liam, then Kate, then Steve. In regards to Nanwe's words, do you whip the cart or the ox? Is it that you sometimes hit the cart and sometimes hit the ox? Is it hitting the cart the same or is hitting the cart the same or not as hitting the ox? 
In a secular world, there is no custom of hitting the cart. Although there is no custom of common people hitting the cart, in the Buddha way, there is the practice of hitting the cart. This is the eye of study. Even if you realize the practice of hitting the cart, it is not the same as hitting the ox. Study this thoroughly. Although hitting the ox is commonly practiced, you should investigate hitting the ox in the Buddha way. Is it hitting a living buffalo, an iron ox, or a clay ox? Is it hitting with a whip, with the entire world, or with the whole mind? Is it hitting the marrow, hitting with the fist? How about fist hitting fist, an ox hitting ox? Matsu is silent. Do not ignore this silence. This is hurling a tile to attract a jewel, turning the head and turning the face. This silence cannot be taken away. Okay. Nanyue then instructed, if you practice sitting Zen, you practice sitting Buddha. Investigate the statement and understand the pivotal point of the ancestral school. Those who miss the essential meaning of the practice of sitting Zen may say that it is the practice of sitting Buddha. But how can those who are not authentic descendants be sure that the practice of sitting Zen is the practice of sitting Buddha? Know that the Zazen of beginner's mind is the beginning of Zazen. The beginning of Zazen is the beginning of sitting Buddha. Nanyue continued, if you practice sitting Zen, you will know that Zen is not about sitting or lying down. What Nanyue meant is that Zazen is Zazen, and it is not limited to sitting or lying down. This teaching has been transmitted person to person. Thus, boundless sitting and lying down are the self beyond self. When you reflect on your life activities, are they intimate with Zazen? or remote from it? Is there enlightenment in Zazen or is there delusion? Is there one whose wisdom penetrates Zazen? Nanyue said further, in the practice of sitting Buddha, the Buddha has no fixed form. Nanyue spoke the words in this way. The reason why sitting Buddha is neither singular nor plural is that sitting Buddha is adorned with no fixed form. To speak of no fixed form is to speak of Buddha's form. As Buddha has no fixed form, there is no escape from sitting Buddha. Adorned with Buddha's no fixed form, the practice of Zazen is itself sitting Buddha. In the Dharma beyond condition, who can discriminate Buddha from non-Buddha, not Buddha, excuse me. Falling away before discrimination, sitting Buddha is sitting Buddha. Manuwe said, if you sit Buddha, you kill, go beyond Buddha. When you study sitting Buddha further in this way, it has an aspect of kill Buddha. At the very moment of sitting Buddha, there is killing Buddha. If you want to find the extraordinary luminosity of killing Buddha, always sit Buddha. Kill may be an ordinary word that people commonly use, but its meaning here is totally different. Study how it is that sitting Buddha is killing Buddha. Investigate the fact that the Buddha is itself killing Buddha. Study killing 
and not killing the true person. Nanyue said, if you are identified with, confined by, the sitting form, you have not reached the heart of the matter. Identified with the sitting form spoken of here is to defile and abandon the sitting form. The reason is that when one is sitting Buddha, it is impossible not to be identified with the sitting form. However clear the sitting form is, the heart of the matter cannot be reached because it is impossible not to be one with the sitting form. To penetrate this is called letting go of body and mind. Those who have not practiced sitting do not reach the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is sitting time, sitting person, sitting Buddha, and the practice of sitting Buddha. The sitting of mere sitting and mere lying down is not sitting Buddha. Although usual sitting looks like sitting Buddha or a Buddha sitting, it is not so. A person becomes Buddha, becoming a Buddha person. However, all people do not become Buddhas. Buddhas are not all people, because Buddhas are not limited to people. Any ordinary person is not necessarily Buddha. Buddha is not necessarily an ordinary person. Sitting Buddha is like this. In this way, Nanyue was a profound teacher and Mazu was a thorough student. Mazu realized sitting Buddha as becoming Buddha, and Nanyue taught becoming Buddha as sitting Buddha. At Nanyue's assembly, there was this kind of investigation. And at Yaoshan's assembly, there was that dialogue. Know that what Buddhas and ancestors have regarded as the pivotal point is sitting Buddha. Those who are Buddha ancestors employ this pivotal point. Those who aren't have never dreamt of it. I've been snark. <laughs> Well, you know, it's already um, five after seven. Do you have any response to this? To that, you know, you've, I, I hope you've read it more than once. Does anybody have anything to say at this point, or you just want to go? What? I guess the first thing, the thing that jumped out to me this time was at the beginning. Hit the whole paragraph on, about intention. Uh-huh. It seems that it's that's important. <laughs> mm -hmm. Although I can't really say exactly. There's it's one. almost like intention non-intention. Yeah. You know what came up for me reading that was uh, I don't know if you were in uh, in Uchiyama's commentary to the uh to the Tenzo Kyokun and Dogen's instructions to the Tenzo. Uchiyama talks about having a direction, but not a goal. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was thinking of. It's just that you have to mean it. You have to mean it. And uh, it, it, because, I mean, intention is a tricky word because it sounds like grasping after something. But I, I don't think, I'm sure it doesn't mean that. But you do have to, you have to be committed. You have to mean it. I think that's, or and or if you want to understand it as having a direction but not a goal, that's another way of saying it. That troubled me for a while, years ago. Anybody else? 
you know the cart and the horse that part mm -hmm. so i read it a bunch of bunch of times and i thought i was losing my mind <laughs> but it just dawned i mean i don't know if this is right or not but i wondered if the cart like we're the cart that's oh what my god okay okay yeah. yeah and uh you know sometimes we need to beat the cart you know sometimes we need to say i said i would sit every day and <laughs> i don't feel like it i'm gonna sit anyway you know is that with a fist <laughs> Thanks, Dana. I was uh, I was struggling with that one too. Yeah, I was still in the crazy stage. <laughs> Sometimes when I'd been reading that this and I hit that, and I think my head's gonna explode, kind of place. <laughs> I, I think um, I think that that's the point. D don't. I'm thinking too much. <laughs> Just read it. And read it and read it. Well, I think, yeah, and and I think a lot of what he's doing is just is pulling the rug out from under us, and and admonishing us to 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 sit shikantaza and to let go of all this crap. And I'm thinking it, but I I think I think. A couple, a bunch of things actually. I think it would be useful to come back to this because I think this this section is is uh, the you pardon the word the meat of it. And I ask you to do two things. One is to read the uh, Carl Bielfeld translation of this section because it has some slightly different wording that might open it up, and also to read what Shohaku wrote about it. I sent you a link to the lectures that he gave at uh, Chapel Hill. And- um, you do that? Is that the one you sent today? I just glanced real quickly. Yeah, I sent you a link and it should work. Okay, okay. I try, when I do that, I usually check and see if it, you know, I, I, click, I click on the link. I send it to myself from uh, my, uh, SBC Global to my Gmail account because Gmail gets to the group, right? So I and so that when I receive it in Gmail, I click on the link to see what see what happens. And sure enough, it opened in that it's it's like it's a series. There were I think there were seven lectures, something like that. And they're they're not long. They're not like really. I don't know if they were shortened or or quite what happened, but they're not super long. Because I read the whole thing in, in about, um, I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe less. Did you say which number of Shohaku's lectures talks about this section? All of, all of them do, I'm pretty sure. I, I can't remember if the first one does. But I, um, I think it's more introductory. I think you could start on the second one. Um, but you'll, you'll see it because he starts in about Masu. Anyway, anyway, I think that's enough for now because I gave you so much sort of intro. I was looking quickly at the Diamond Sutra, but the thing is I, could, I can't immediately, I can't easily find a good one.
Subhuti, what do you think? Has the Tathagata attained the consummation of incomparable enlightenment? Has the Tathagata a teaching to enunciate? Subhuti answered, as I understand Buddha's meaning, there is no formulation of truth called consummation of incomparable enlightenment. Moreover, the Tathagata has no formulated teaching to enunciate. Wherefore? Because the Tathagata has said that truth is uncontainable and inexpressible, it neither is nor is not. Thus it is that this unformulated principle is the foundation of the different systems of all ages. Subhuti, what do you think? If anyone filled 3,000 galaxies of worlds with the seven treasures and gave away all in gifts of alms, would he gain great merit? Subhuti said, great indeed, world-honored one, wherefore? Because merit partakes of the character of no merit. The Tathagata can characterize the merit as great, right? Because merit is no merit. Therefore, the Tathagata characterized it as great. The Buddha said that, and then on the other hand, if anyone received and retained only even only four lines of this discourse and taught and explained them to others, the merit would be greater. Anyway, it goes on like that. That's the Diamond Sutra. And it's wonderful. It's I, I commend it to you, but we're not gonna we're not gonna go go there now. But do look at the Okamura stuff and the and the uh, the uh, Bielfeld translation and it just the just the uh, just the this just this section I mean feel free to read it it's always good to read two different translations but um, but I'm particularly interested in this uh, in this section and I, and I think that will help because he says a lot of what I said at the beginning but he it just it, it takes he takes a little longer and he goes into a little bit more detail and he has the he has Huynang's the six ancestors whole poem and the and the uh, head monks whole poem in his explanation does this make sense to do to to uh, continue with this Next? yes okay okay you guys thank you and let's say, say good night and stop the recording <laughs>